the really good ones say very professional. They know this is just not, it's not dramatic. It's not emotional. There's no name calling <laughs> and you work with the other agents. Okay, we just want to get this done, right? Your buyer wants to buy, my seller wants to sell. Let's yep. work together to get it done. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. Heather, it's so great to be here once again. Yes. Are we going to talk about the elephant in the room? There's an elephant in here? You've got bandages on your arms. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, I got in a fight with a cat. No, <laughs> no, no I, you're, it's a minor, minor like, surgical make like sure removal. That no skin to, cancer and stuff. That's yes, what the, that yes. it was. And it wasn't. So there we go. Right. There we go. We're sunblock people. Yeah, I, I wear sunblock. By the now. way. Huh? I've always have. Even before I knew you, I wore sunblock. Right. Just, just maybe not every time I went outside. Not as now I do. Now that I'm like sunblock, sunblock. So yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that that was the elephant in the room. You don't okay. even know. No, I didn't know what the elephant room is. I'm a little slow because I just finished my coffee. So we'll see like at what point it kicks in. Okay. Well, hopefully it turbocharges you. Right. Not too much. Or I start talking like five miles an hour and that could be fun. What are we talking five about Five miles today? an hour would not be very okay, fast. Okay, stop it. Okay. Making fun of my sayings. Thank you. Appreciate that. Got that a little off. That's okay. 50 miles an hour, 500 okay. miles an hour. And in those would five work. Five miles an hour. <laughs> I know. That's it, and I can't, I mean, I could say it was the coffee, but no, that's just me mixing up words. Yeah, that's all right. It sounded right. So, but what are we talking about today? Well, today is all about how real estate agents can transition into the world of investing, how real estate agents can become real estate investors. And they don't have to pick one or the other, but they could do both. And I know that's a goal of a lot of real estate agents mm -hmm. is to kind of get to that point where they're owning properties. Maybe it's just a goal is to actually own a property. But uh, secondary, a lot of real estate agents would love to become investors as well. You know what just popped in my head? Um, have you heard of the, is it the white coat investor? Lab coat. And lab coat. Yes. Yeah, white coat. That's mm -hmm. funny. I used to get ads for that all the time. And I was like, mm. lab coat agents. Is lab that, is that lab what I, No, no, that's actually not what I'm Oh. What I'm talking about. It's like for where for doctors oh, okay. to invest. Like there's like this oh, okay. maybe it is white coat then. Mm. But anyways, it's that they realized like someone realized that there was a need. Like doctors aren't necessarily good with their money. Not I'm not saying all of them aren't, but that that was kind of a need. Like they're like so focused on getting through years of medical school, all that kind of stuff. And then they start making money and then they're kind of like, okay, now what? You know? And so someone created this whole system for them. But I feel like it's almost the same kind of thing with real estate agents. It's I think you get into real estate because you love real estate. You want to make money with real estate, but you get so tied up in the transactions because it's it's a lot of work being a real it estate is. agent. Yeah. And it's kind of like, how can you use those skills that you've already learned as an agent to invest in real estate? But also, if you, you come across good deals all the time in real estate. So how could you capitalize on those too? Yeah, there's a lot of unique things that in in the world of uh, being a real estate agent, real estate broker, that you um, skills that you acquire and things that can really help you in the world on the investing side. So a lot of people are either limited by time, but m more common is limited by the fact that they don't have the additional funds to invest. Right. So, you know, we're going to talk about ways to get around those those issues in today's episode and what we feel like are some of the best ways that they can get involved in investing. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, as you start going down that road as an investor, you might realize that maybe it's not being a real estate agent that is your main focus and maybe being an investor is the main thing, kind of like how, what happened with me. Right. Uh, and I guess probably a good place to start would be like, my background in real mm -hmm. estate and how this is even, you know, relevant to to this topic today. I mean, I we actually started um, as investors mm -hmm. first, and then we became real estate agents for a, a long portion of time, and then we got back into the world of investing. So it was uh, it was a, a little bit different of a path, but uh, it's still a path nonetheless. So we've got kind of experience in both worlds, and I think that there's a there's, you know, a lot that we learned by doing both things. Yeah. Okay. So let's start at the beginning. So early 2000s, we decided we were going to flip houses. Mm, yes. Okay. Yeah. We watched some HGTV <laughs> shows and it looked so easy. And who were the big ones on TV at that time? Was it 
Armando Montalongo. I don't know. I, you know, I, I think was so. thinking of this old house, Him, but even though that has nothing to do yeah, with it. Yeah, well, it was that was like, kind of along those lines. But People I thought fixing, like fixing up old houses. Yeah, we could do something like, I mean, not, we didn't do ha- old houses, but I uh-huh. was like, that looked kind of fun. Yeah. And we learned a lot doing that, especially that maybe we didn't love it as much. A lot of people didn't, were always like, oh, it's really hard, especially if on couples. That wasn't hard. I liked it, mm-hmm. but I hated buying it just to sell it. Like mm-hmm. you put all that work into it and it kind of felt like it's fun seeing that transformation of a house. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that's kind of fun. And we were buying a lot of properties that didn't need major mm-hmm. extensive things, but they needed cosmetics. So that was kind of our bread and butter. We were looking for things at the time. This is the early 2000s. So we were looking for homes that were either built in the 80s or 90s and they needed some cosmetic things and without structural type improvements, right. you know, new tile, new paint, new some carpet, landscaping. landscaping, things like that that we could easily do in order to improve the value and the curb appeal of the property and then resell it as quickly as possible. So that was fun doing <laughs> those things, but those are big projects. Each right. property is kind of like its own business in a way. Yeah. You've got to get it started from you got to identify the opportunity, you've got to figure out a plan to make the most of that opportunity, you got to put that plan in place get all the work done, do everything, and then you're basically selling off that new venture mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, moving on to the next one. Yeah. And it, and it's a little stressful because you're kind of waiting for that paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's like it's the big chunks that come in. Um, and then we saw some flippers that were just like garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like we would only do the level of quality if we would, ha- you know, or even above what we would want if we were living in it. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like kind of got that feeling that, oh, it's a flip, you know? Right. Okay. Right. So we did that. Then uh, what was the next thing we did? Well, the market crashed. Okay. Well, that. that was the big catalyst. The market crashed. Mm-hmm. Retail buyers really weren't out there. And, you know, the reason was because the financing dried up. Like right. the loans were not available. Uh, you know, it was so easy to get a loan before the market crashed. The pendulum swung the other way afterwards. And then it was extremely difficult to get a loan. So there were only kind of niche things that were selling, you know, mostly FHA, VA type loans for a while mm-hmm. there. And even those were were really hard for the, the buyers to get. So, yeah, you know, like now it's, you can, everyone can, not everyone, but you can get a loan now. It's just super expensive. So people mm-hmm. are looking at it saying, I don't know if I want to lock in a 7% interest rate or whatever. But back then it truly was hard to get a loan. Yeah. You know, you had to have a huge down payment. You had to have, as they documented income because like before that you didn't, they were doing loans. Oh, you say you make a million dollars and you're a waitress. Okay, cool. Yeah. Here's a $2 million home. I'm exaggerating, but you know, it's. Okay, so then we we transitioned into helping and in- yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm like, you know, I'm, it's funny. It's like almost blurry to me. Like, I oh, know. Okay, the things well, we did I remember exactly steps. what happened. You know, before actually the market crashed, I got my real estate broker license. <laughs> you got your real estate agent license because we were finding all of our deals on the market. Like, we were buying right. properties off of the MLS, and we had an agent at the time that was kind of showing us properties and things like that. But it was a it was a point of friction because. We would bring the deals. He would get the commission still. We'd have to wait for him to show us the properties and have to wait for him to write up the offers, all this kind of stuff. And you couldn't negotiate as well as you wanted to. I couldn't directly negotiate. No. I couldn't, couldn't if, show myself the properties, any of this stuff. Yeah, if, so. they had, if they had brought that to the table, the that, you know, the same level of excitement or care that you could do it, it would have been, it would have made sense to keep using an agent, right? right? So then- Got my broker's license. Uh, so obviously we were able to get that extra commission to help deals work mm-hmm. a little better. And get and, more deals. Yeah, get more deals, reduce a lot of the friction in the process. So that was the idea behind getting a license. Market crashed. And then you came to me and you're like, hey, because <laughs> um, we, we knew we, were, we weren't going to be buying any more flips for the immediate future until the market kind of settled mm-hmm. out. You're like, well, why don't you just kind of use this and go where things are, go where the market is, which is like, REOs, basically bank-owned properties, short sales, all this kind of stuff. Like the that side of the market was was what was selling. So you you know talked me into doing that, and uh, kind of went down that road for a number of years. Yeah, the I remember I was reading a message board, and it was like kind of doom and gloom. And someone was like, "I've been waiting since 1970 for this moment or something." It was like someone was like excited. I did. I think he was saying he did. BPOs. It was like bro- broker price opinions. And then that got me the bank properties. And then that, you know, like the bank owned properties. And then I was able to do short sales. And all, but he was talking about all these different skills that he was like, I can value it. I know how to find deals. I can do contracts. I can work with banks because all you, it, banks speak kind of differently. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, wait, we, we can do that. Like, I know what banks want to know. 
you have all of that. I was like, okay, how do we do it? But I came to you and you were like, no, like, <laughs> no. And I think you were still hopeful that it wouldn't get as bad as it did. Right, right. But then like normally happens, I keep talking about it for a little bit. And then you're like, we should do that. I would be really good at it. And you were, you were like, what, well, you know, one of the top ones in the area doing that stuff. Okay. So now we're, yeah. Are we? So we were listing bank owned properties mm-hmm. for a number of years through that. I got a lot of great contacts with real estate investors that were buying homes to either fix and flip or hold as long-term rentals and things like that. So this is this is the this is 2008 through 2012. I was like, no, it wasn't. 2008 through 2012. Mm-hmm. So anything these people bought at that time was a majorly great investment. <laughs> they would be like, if you get anything, call me first. And you yeah. were like, wait a minute here. So I got a bunch of great contacts. So really, after after kind of the REO listings sort of tailing off, mm-hmm. then I became really focused on just finding deals for these investors mm-hmm. because I, from their perspective, I knew what they wanted. You also were able to negotiate like people had tax liens. Like there was, oh, a, yes. there was a lot of stuff in there too that wasn't just like very specific. It was like you took each property and you were like, okay, this is a, this is a problem. The solution is that they need to sell it. You know what I mean? And then what do you have to do? So you negotiate it with IRS. You've negotiated with SBA. Yeah. Banks. I, seconds. I put the deals people, together. taxes. So that's, yeah. That's all that kind thing. of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Go on. Yeah. So did that for a number of years. Just kind of focused on that for a little while. I thought I wanted to become a luxury real estate broker. So I kind of dabbled in that world for a little while until I decided I didn't want to, to do that. That that's- was a whole whole different thing. And we started kind of traveling too. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that you really have to obviously. You got to be there. You got to show the properties yourself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, didn't really enjoy that. Any real estate agent knows that. And and those open houses are not really to sell the house most of the time. And right. You know, and to me, I don't enjoy that aspect. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like people. I love, you know, I love meeting new people and everything like that. But that's one of the most stressful times in people's lives. And I, I really enjoy the business side of the real estate, the deals and everything like that, but I didn't like the emotions and everything involved with that side of things. So I, I kind of well, knew that that wasn't my thing. Right. People so. would walk in and be like, I'm not, this house is absolutely perfect, but it has a red kitchen, so I'm not buying it. Uh-huh. And you're like, you could paint the kitchen. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not painting the kitchen. It's a, it's an emotional thing. Yeah. But you ended up really liking where someone, where the investors, you look back and say, it was literally just numbers. But yeah. They it's all about say, the numbers. Okay. That this works, this works, or it doesn't work. And there was no like, it was black and white, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's what that's what I love about real estate. So ultimately, we got out of that. We transitioned into a business that, that you had uh, that started to really take off. And I was like, well, let's just go together and we'll we'll kind of, um, you know, turn this into something as big as we can. Uh, we did. And that worked great for uh, many years and then kind of got the itch to get back into real estate investing. I knew I wanted to get back into the investing side, not the agent side of things. I just want to say that it was me again. I told him, I'm like, I think you need to get back into real estate. You okay. miss it. But when you came to me with land, I was like, that's not <laughs> well, what I meant. I mean, and I, you know, I never considered myself a land expert or any, I, you know, I didn't know the first thing about it. Had we sold land. any land before that? Yeah. Could, mm-hmm. We did, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But, uh, you know, I was definitely not an expert in land. And I stumbled into some people talking about land and how it could be a great investment opportunity and not just buying land and holding it forever and waiting for the path of progress to come and make your your property worth a lot more. But it, it was a different model, meaning buy low, sell at a good price so you can flip these properties quickly. So land as a quick flip type investment. Mm-hmm. And I never really considered that. I didn't know anyone that was doing that. I didn't know, obviously didn't know anyone was successful in doing it, but I stumbled into that world and then kind of it took off. At the end of 2020 is when I first really um, found that that business model. And then I started to go all in. This was, I think, Thanksgiving of 2020. I bought a, a course on it, learned the, the kind of basics of it, how the business model worked. And then we generate all of our deals with direct mail at this point. So I, I sent out a first batch of direct mail to, to sellers, you know, off-market properties. And that was December of 2020. Uh, so we ended up reselling our first flip in March of 2021 did about 1.2 million and some change in revenue in 2021 and about 50% gross profit margin. So on average that year, we were able to double our money. So that, and that was only a partial year because we started our, our first flip closed in March of 2021. And then, uh, you know, we were 1.2 million and some change. 
2022 did uh, much better, did about 3.5 million in revenue. And then in uh, 2023, we're already over 4 million, hopefully closing out the year pretty strong. Seven, eight million. We'll see where it ends up. We've got a lot of a lot of deals in the works. Uh, I initially wanted to hit ten million, but uh, realistically, that's probably not going to happen by the end of the year. But oh no, you're a failure. Yes, a failure. Yes. <laughs> that so funny? Anyhow, that's probably how you think. You're like that's you're so definitive on these things. Like, gotta set goals. I like gotta it. Set goals. Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that you can join our community for free at landconquest.com. Inside, you'll get all the resources, training, and support for building a thriving land flipping business. Once again, that's landconquest.com. All right, enjoy the rest of the show. If you hadn't been in a real estate agent or you hadn't, or we hadn't been in, you know, done real estate before, do you think that that it would have changed your trajectory? Trajectory? It definitely was an advantage. Mm Mm-hmm. But I know other people that have had no experience in real estate that have done some some really big things quickly. It ha- it helped me it helped me realize the I guess be confident of the deals I was buying and things like that. So I I'm very good. I I feel like one of my strengths is being able to recognize a deal and then just being confident in that deal and moving forward. See a lot of people get kind of stalled at that stage. They don't know what's a deal, what's not a deal. And they're not willing to put their money on the line, I guess, for those deals. So that that holds them back a little bit from from doing more and more deals. But, you know, the the fact that I had some experience in real estate and investing in the past and everything, I think really, really helped out on that. That kind of like gives you like the, a quicker advantage, but mm-hmm. anyone could catch up really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the thing about land too is that it's not as, I don't think it's as complicated as other types. Mm-hmm. Why there's, the, you said some sort of saying, it, there's no- Tenants, to- toilets, or termites. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's like a very simplistic way of saying the fact that there's, can you build on it? Is there, you know what I mean? Like there's certain things and once those are met and a need or whatever, you're fine right. in a way. Whereas the other thing it could be, you get an inspection, it's fine. And then you get in there and it's like, oh, sorry, this wall actually is, right. you know, filled with termites uh-huh. and yeah. the toilet doesn't work or whatever. So yeah. I don't know. I think it, it it's interesting because I think a lot of real estate agents probably there's a greater amount of people who who are already in real estate that it, it's just kind of like a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. other people might get into it and be like, oh, I'm not sure I like it. But if you have the right mindset, I, I don't think it matters. Yeah. Well, I wanted to I wanted to kind of make this video because I think that as a real estate agent, real estate broker, kind of working a in real the estate tr- professional, real if you estate will. professional, mm-hmm. kind of working on the traditional side of things where you are you know, selling properties, you're either a buyer's agent, you're a listing agent, but you're making a commission on that sale. It's not your property, but you're making a commission. That's how you generate your money. And the commission can be anywhere from 2% all the way up to 10% or maybe even more in some certain certain situations, depending on if you're doing both sides of the deal or if you're high dollar property, low dollar property, you know, any Whatever's of these Whatever's being offered, there's what, no set yeah, amount. Yeah, exactly. You're kind of at the whim of you know, obviously how many listings you can get, how many buyers you can find. And obviously there's lots of techniques to get more listings, to get more buyers, to do all these different things. And there's systems in order to, to kind of increase that stuff like any other business. But you're, you're kind of limited in a way. You have limited control. You're kind of at the whim of what these buyers and sellers want to do. You don't call the shots. You don't um, call the market. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you definitely don't control the market. That's for sure. With investing, it's kind of a different thing because you are have ownership in this asset, mm-hmm. you know, you have equity in this asset and you can get the upside rather than just, you know, uh, just a, a little piece of the pie. I mean, in a sense, you can control the market. You can go as low as you need to go. Yeah, true. I, I mean, you can't control it on the big picture, but you're in control of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a lot. You have a lot more control in mm-hmm. the situation. And uh, it's more dependable. More dependable. Yeah. So um, predictable, I should I, say, I kind too. Of, uh, one of the stats I pulled up here. Pete wrote a cheat was, sheet for yeah, me, if you're yes, wondering. Yes, I wrote a cheat sheet. Typed a cheat sheet. Typed it. Uh, one, a couple of interesting statistics are that from this is from the National Association of Realtors. There are 1,566,354 realtors, members of the National Association of Realtors, in the United States among an estimated 2 million real estate agents. So three quarters of the uh, real estate agents out there are realtors, you know, National yeah. Association of Realtors. Members of NARS. I, I highlight that because that there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people with their real estate license trying to make a, a living finding buyers or sellers to get a commission from these real estate deals. They put out this uh, thing, I don't know, in the past year or something that said that there were more agents than there were 
properties for sale. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I should have looked into that. Yeah. That puts it in perspective. I remember seeing that and I was like, wow, I mean, that sounds healthy. Right. Uh, so you're always going to be competing against that. You know, everyone thinks that, you know, and if you're a real estate agent doing this business full time and listening to this, you know how difficult the business is. I mean, it's not, it's not as easy as everyone makes it out to be. And obviously it's a good business and you like being in this business, most likely. But uh, there are also some challenges and there are some things that that really cap you on the upside. Buyers are liars. Buyers are liars. Uh, Does that trigger any? uh, Yeah. I think people think, oh, you're making two or three percent or whatever of this, you know, of my house. And all you did was like show it. Yeah. I did all the work. And it's like they have no idea about the contracts, the negotiations, the insurance you have to pay, the communication. (laughs) There's a lot that goes into it. And if you're good at it, you know, you know, that what it takes to really go into it. And also what's the cost to your life? Because you're kind of at the whim of somebody. And if you're somebody who just loves doing that, it makes sense. It's no big deal, especially if you're in the luxury market and you just, you know, you feed off of that kind of excitement because it is exciting. You get a listing, you sell a listing, you get the commission check. Hopefully it's a wire these days. Yeah. But a lot of people who go into it thinking that realize pretty quickly, like, hey, this is a lot more than I bargained for. Yeah. But I still want to be in real estate. One of the pros of this model is that there's no downside, you know, mm-hmm. the downside basically uh, and the investment itself, like the downside is that you're going to have a, a buyer that you waste a bunch of time with. You're going to have a seller that cancels their listing or is not reasonable for any of the offers that come in or is not mm-hmm. reasonable for any price reductions if needed and things like that. So the downside is basically your time or, you know, you, or marketing costs in some, uh, in some cases. What are you talking well. about? Um, oh, you're talking about the as land. a real estate agent. As a real estate agent. Um, oh, or the, that someone just decides they want to cancel the listing. Yeah. You've been doing all this kind of stuff. You're you're just at that thing. They only want to price it too high Yeah, because you can't control what they price it at. Or you to get the listing, you tell them you, you'll you sell it really high, which you know is not going to happen. So you have to chase it down. And then they're mad yeah. and... Do you want me to go on? I, I think, yes. I think you, well, get the- <laughs> there, you know, that, that's your, that's your, the pros, no downside, but the cons are, you know, you're, you're kind of, uh, you're at their whim. There's, mm-hmm. you're kind of limited as, as to how much you can do this. You're also kind of limited by a geographic area as well. So that's uh that's another consideration. There's always so much business in the area. You can expand to different areas. You can expand your team. You can expand in different ways, but there, there are some caps there. You know, we didn't talk about something major though, too, is market trends because most agents the past few years have been crazy. And we talked to them like, oh, it's been amazing, all this kind of stuff. And then you talk to them this year yeah, and they're like, yeah, it's been a little tough. Like, mm-hmm. and I always say like during the high times, I hope they're saving money because right. they're going to need it for the low times. And you have to just be used to that and you have to be okay with it. And you have to say, okay, I need to prepare for the next one because you can't, again, you can't control the, the, the deals that are coming in. You can't control the pricing. You can't control any of that. Whereas on the land, it's not the same. Right. You can always go lower. It's just, the, yeah. It, yeah, the as marker, an investor, you control, you know, especially mm-hmm. if you're doing the short term type things, you can adapt quickly. Mm-hmm. You can adjust your buy prices to match up with what the current market is, not what it was a year ago. Right. And what we know? learned during that downturn is that you were busier during the downturn, like with all the deals and everything going crazy than you were, which we thought was like crazy during the high. Yep. Like it was because the thing is that there are always buyers. There's always buyers. Always buyers. And when the prices are low, they come out of the woodwork. Do you yeah. remember one of your, not one of them, a lot of them, the short sale, not short sales, but the bank on, you'd get a, an offer and you'd get like, <laughs> you'd list a property and you'd get 30, 50 offers. Yeah, it's crazy. And they were all cash offers. Mm-hmm. So the buyer had changed. The buyer pool had changed. It wasn't these co- conventional buyers. It was, it was uh, large companies that were buying up these properties or, you know, investors that had access to capital at that time. And they were just buying properties and uh, they knew it was a deal. And that's, uh, you know, the, the problem is that uh, regular people, you know, regular people that weren't investors or large companies, they didn't have the access to the financing at that point. So, and so they the were market scared. changed. And uh, yeah, yeah. They, were, they were scared. Even if they had the money, they were scared because they were like, oh my God, it's going to drop more. Or but the these, investors knew that that was a deal. They And they knew even if it dropped more, it was okay. Yeah, you don't right. try to time Long the market term. perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Like they could either buy it to rent it out and appreciate, but, but with land, you don't have to worry as much. Yeah. One of the things that... Uh, um, also, you know, is, is kind of a, a risk with, you know, being a real estate agent is financing kills a lot of deals, especially with yeah. the higher interest rate. So mm-hmm. especially in this market, we've got, you know, like people are capped out on what they can buy because of their payments. Sometimes, you know, people just, they get kind of shell shocked towards the end and they, they get, you know, they get 
overwhelmed and they're not going to go through with the deal because they, they don't think that they can keep up based on what they, the payment's going to be and things like, like the that. the week before they go and buy a car. And then <laughs> their, kinds of their mortgage like broker's like, oh my gosh, what is this inquiry from? Oh, I went and bought a car. Well, now you don't have your don't your debt to credit. You know, is debt to credit. I'm like fumbling words, but you know what I mean? It's now we can't do the loan. Yeah. What? I know. After you put in all the work as a real estate mm-hmm. agent, by the way. So, so here's some things that I also wrote down that are kind of big skills that real estate agents acquire during the the process of their business. First of all, the first two are invaluable, invaluable. Yeah, Extremely sure. Invaluable. invaluable. Yeah. Okay. Contracts. First of all, you learn how to do contracts. Mm-hmm. And as we know, contracts may be a little bit to the average person that hasn't been in real estate. They may be a little, uh, scary. what's the word? Yeah. Scary. Scary. scary is a good word for it. Yeah. As we know seems, in the real estate yeah. business, it's really not that bad. It's a lot of that's fill in the blank and everything, but you do get that skill and you get comfortable with working with these type of documents and you know how to read them and you know what's important on them and what's not really as important. You also get great skills with negotiations. If you're doing a lot of business for sure, and you're really working for your clients, you pick up a lot of tips and you you get good at negotiating deals. I don't you didn't put this on here but you along the lines of both of those is that you realize what you're on the same like the goal is to close it. Yeah. And you don't lose track of that. So when you're doing the contract you're not being outrageously you know requesting crazy things. And the negotiations you're not painting yourself into a corner, you're not using absolutes. You do this or we're out of here. Yeah. Cuz then you might be out of there. Um but yes. those are those are extremely valuable because you realize that at the end of the day the goal is just to get this closed. Yeah, get it done. Get the deal done. And then along the same lines are the people skills. Oh, yes, people skills. I mean, really it's a people business, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're dealing with people and you're dealing with problems that come up, you're dealing with emotions, you're dealing with bringing all sides of a deal together to to make it actually mm-hmm. happen at the end. Uh so you get lots of people skills showing homes, you know, all these different things come into it, you know, dealing with everyone in the transaction, you're dealing with the home inspector. A lot of times you're dealing with the escrow title company, you're dealing with the other agent, you're dealing with the buyers, the sellers. I mean, there's a lot of people in a real estate transaction and uh, you need to be able to, to manage um, everyone's expectations and, you know, make sure everyone gets along. And and you really, whether you realize it or not, you know, the more you're in this business, the better you get in, and working with people. The really good ones say very professional. Right. They know this is just not, it's not dramatic. It's not emotional. Um, there's no name calling. <laughs> We've seen it all. It's just. Seen it all, yes. You know, and, and you work with the other agents. Okay, we just want to get this done, right? Right. And your buyer wants to sell or your buyer wants to buy. My buyer seller wants to sell. Let's yep. work together to get it done. Yeah. And then uh, the other big thing here is uh, evaluating properties. You know, mm-hmm. you get to really, no matter what side of the business you're on, if you're kind of a listing agent or you're a buyer's agent, you're, you're constantly helping your clients evaluate these properties. If you go into a listing appointment, you know, before you even go into that appointment, you're pulling up comps, you're evaluating what their property is versus what other, what other ones have sold and what the current market is and everything. And you get really good at learning the market, evaluating properties and, uh, you know, determining their worth. Basically, you're not an appraiser, but a lot of times, a lot of the real, the good real estate agents I know, know the market better than some of the appraisers out there. Right, and, so. and they're doing two different things. Right. An appraiser is doing like looking at the nuts and bolts too and saying, okay, this is that value. This is that value. Mm-hmm. And an agent or broker or real estate professional is looking at the big picture. That's what, what would it sell for? You Ultimately, know? that's what the property is worth. It's right. like, what would this property sell for on the open market? Like what are, what's a buyer willing to pay? What's a seller willing to sell it for? So it's where they come together. And it's, agents are normally, or professionals are normally localized. So mm-hmm. they know a local area where an appraiser might, you know, service a, a much broader area and be looking at comps that really mm-hmm. aren't the the ideal thing because again they're doing two different things yeah and another big skill is problem solving mm-hmm. because in there's the real estate business problems, yeah, yeah. there's always problems uh something's Which always going like. to come up yeah I mm-hmm. look at problems now as like, hey, that it's our advantage. Because mm-hmm. if you can solve a problem, Joe over there won't solve it. I feel bad for Joe. I keep calling out a yeah, Joe. I don't even Joe. know a Joe. Yeah, there's always a problem. Don't you go into it now thinking? Well, I'm assuming that there's going to be some sort of problems or roadblocks. And it's just a matter of it's I, I don't get emotional about any of these problems anymore. And when deals fall apart or things happen or whatever, I I don't uh, throw up my hands and just like <laughs> throw oh, in the towel. Yeah. I look at how we're going to solve it. Can the problem be solved? How are we going to solve it? And if it can't be solved, then I move on as quickly as possible. If it can be solved, then I try to break that down and, and get it done. So as a real estate professional, real estate agent mm-hmm. or broker, you are very good at solving these problems the longer you have done this type of thing because uh, it's just naturally part of the business. Mm-hmm. And in order to close deals, you got to solve these problems. So 
You figure out a way. So I highlight those because I don't think a lot of real estate agents really realize all the skills that they're building and, no. and all of these things that, that they've got mm-hmm. inherently just by doing the business. And uh, maybe that gives them some confidence to kind of get into that world of investing because those skills that I just mentioned there, they directly translate to the investing side of things. Now, it's it's different in the fact that you're actually acquiring the property or acquiring equity in a property rather than, you know, just taking commission off of that. But a lot of other aspects of the business are kind of the same. Right. So there's additional skills to learn and things as well. But but these those, those big core. core skills are really, really important in, in the investing side of things. It gives you a huge huge leg up of people that haven't been in that world. I like when you steal my words. I said core just at the same time you did. Okay. Well, you know, but do you notice too, though, most real estate um, professionals, they want to be investors. Yes, exactly. Most of them really do. It's just a matter of them trying to figure out how they can make it happen. Right. And I think that it's funny because you think that real estate investors or real estate professionals wouldn't be this way, but they're timid about investing. Mm-hmm. A lot of them know the ups and downs. And so they're scared to part with any money. So they need kind of a system that helps them understand like, okay, this is a, a more um, dependable way to do it while still using your real estate skills. Yeah. So, you know, obviously that's a goal of a lot of real estate agents. It was a, you know, it, it was a goal of ours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, to get back into the investing side mm-hmm. of things. But, you know, the, the funny thing is that the business is difficult. It's hard to get momentum. It's hard to get to that point where you've mm-hmm. got deals closing regularly, so you don't have to worry about those ups and downs right. between commission checks. Once you get to that point, uh, you got to get to the point where you've got extra money set aside to actually invest. Are you looking to scale your land flipping business quickly? Well, we're happy to present our new cutting edge system built specifically for land flippers. Take a look at the Land Conquest business system today, and you'll gain full access to a customizable pre-made website. CRM, dedicated phone numbers, text automations, 24-7 support, and more. It's basically a business in the box. Go to software.landconquest.com to learn more. And then you're thinking, well, okay, I've got to save up 20% for a house or, you know, so most real estate agents, they think of investing in, in one or two, one or two big categories is what they normally gravitate to. Number one, it would be accumulating rental properties. Maybe that's their dream of actually getting into the investing side of things. They want to be a landlord. They want to buy 20 houses, 50 houses. They want to buy multifamily, whatever it is. They see the rental side as kind of the answer to their investing thing. The problem is it's a, that's a really slow road. That's an active business. It's an active business. It's a hard it's a hard road to actually get that momentum build up where it's actually producing any sort of mean, meaningful cash flow because if you're buying these properties and you know the property cash flows you're making $200 a month off of this property. Is $200 a month really going to get you closer to your goal or you know it's hard, you know, you got to really start getting a lot of units under management. And then by by that point, you're really doing it full time. So the, by the time it, it's right. any sort of meaningful money. You're not really investing. You've just started another business. Right. That and it's a long term. It's a long term game for mm-hmm. that to pay off. And obviously there's great benefits to investing in rental properties. And we we invest in rental properties as well. But it's hard to actually do that as your your main investing thing we, because it's it takes a long time to pay off. Yeah. So. And we don't invest in real estate. I'm sorry, in rental properties for that reason we invest as a tax yeah you know as a tax strategy yeah tax strategy and a long-term long-term investment thing we know that you know years down the road they're going to be paid off and they're going to be you know worth a lot more yeah so so. but i think if you go into it knowing that i think a lot of people do just jump into it thinking oh i'm going to make all this you know yeah yeah well i hope you don't have repairs (laughs) yeah Yeah, there's a a lot that goes on with that so it's either that the rental property thing or it's the fix and flip thing Mm -hmm. you know they they want to buy homes, fix them up, and resell them. Now, what they don't understand about that is the fact that it's very, very time consuming to get into that world. Obviously, you can hire a contractor to do that. You could do if you uh, can find one. If you can find one in this market, it's really, really tough. There's a lot of unknowns with that. You know, you may think you know what the numbers are, but they're always going to change once you get into it, unless you get really experienced and you know exactly. Uh, exactly how all these deals work. And you've got to get a lot of flips under your belt. Flipping homes are great because you can get those chunks of cash. You can start accelerating your money pretty quickly. And it's fun. It is fun. It is fun. There yeah. were aspects I thought that were fun. And, it, you know, probably 
if you're a res regular residential real estate agent, you already know that world. You kind of know what the property would be worth fixed up. You know, you see these deals from time to time that you could pick up. So you could probably transition into that pretty easily. It's just I think that it's hard to actually do both at the same time because it's a big time commitment there and it's kind of all consuming. And the longer you hold these flips for, the less you're going to make because obviously you've got some high cost financing generally on these these hard money loans and things like that in order to buy these properties. And depending on your experience level, you probably have to put out all the money for the repairs on these properties, which, you know, depending on the property you buy can be pretty expensive, pretty extensive, especially these days. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. So that's, that's the thing that most agents look for, but I think many of them are ignoring the best opportunity right now as, as a real to get into the real estate investing world and not just as a starter thing either, but it's something that can grow exponentially as we've shown. And that's obviously land flipping. That's what we do. Uh, we're a big proponent of that. And I, I think it's the ideal transition for a lot of real estate agents to get into the investing world. Right. And also it's another like vehicle to make chunks of money. Like if let's say you, you kept doing some of you're still a real estate agent and that's kind of like you live off of that. You get into land investing and you use those chunks of money to invest in apartment buildings. Mm -hmm. Like you could do a whole big circle well, and of that's, things. That's the thing. I mean, you've got your land flipping and your real estate commissions. That's kind of like your active cash flow type stuff. You can then take those profits and then funnel them into the longer term mm -hmm. investments. Since you're a real estate professional, then you can use the depreciation uh, with those purchases that you acquire, you know, those rental properties and things to offset your your active income. Talk to your CPA or accountant. Yeah, yeah. we're not tax professionals. Uh, yeah. So, you know, yeah. and I'm going to tell you kind of the, the why, first of all, that, that I think land flipping is great. First of all, it's very high profit. You know, we're trying to double our money on deals. So we're trying to buy our property for, say, 20000 and sell it for 40000 mm -hmm. Sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes we do more. Sometimes we do less. But that's just kind of the general rule of thumb. Quick turns. You know, generally, we're able to buy and sell these properties and be completely done with them in 90 days. Best of all, it can be done with no money out of pocket. But how? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we, have a, we have a special program. It's called Partner with Pete. And basically what happens here is, you know, traditionally land, that's kind of the thing that people always get hung up on. They're like, hey, land sounds great. There is no hard money programs for land. Right. I don't have, you know, $50,000, $75,000 to buy these pieces of land, you know, out of pocket and then flip them for $100,000, $150,000, something like that. But so we came up with the program to kind of uh, solve that problem. It's called Partner with Pete. And essentially what happens is, you bring the deal, you find the deal, uh, you submit it to us. If it's a deal, we agree to actually fund that deal and we will send the money to close the deal. We'll do all the due diligence. We'll hire the photographer. We'll do everything we do in our normal process. And then we will actually leverage our team to actually get the property resold. And then at the end of the day, we split the profits 50-50. It was designed to kind of be a real win-win situation for other investors that are really good at getting deals. They want to focus on that aspect of it. But they don't want to worry about all that other stuff. They don't have to put any money forward. There's no qualifications. There's no there's no downside at all. They just can focus on the part that they like, which is getting the deals. Right. So once I agree to, to once we agree to fund the deal and we start going forward in that process, there's no downside for you as the investor. It's not that, you know, say, for instance, we lost money on a deal or something like that. I wouldn't come back to you and say, hey, you know, we lost, you know, fifty thousand dollars. Can you? you know, split that with me 25. I would, that doesn't happen. That's not part of the deal. I take all the downside risk. And then and I he, mock him for it. Yes. Hasn't happened. <laughs> we yet, haven't lost money on any deals, but if it ever happens, happen. I happen will let everybody know. Yes. <laughs> we'll highlight it. That's okay. Share my wins and my losses. A learning so. experience. No, I don't, yes. I don't mean as that. I mean, just to, you know, make fun of you. No, to, just to make fun of me. Yeah. That's okay. So I think that's uh that's one crucial piece of the puzzle there that, uh, you know, maybe, Maybe a lot of people weren't considering thinking about getting into the land flipping world. So essentially, the business model is really simple. We buy properties off market. So we use direct mail. Uh, other people use cold calling, texting, pay-per-click, you know. Do they door knock at, at vacant land? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Not unless there's an old door that someone threw on the property. I was going to throw you but for I don't a think that's gonna be very effective. on your toes. Yeah. yeah. So th there's a number of ways to get leads and to get deals. But uh, the basics of it, you buy property off market directly from the seller. We do, uh, we close the deal. 
quickly as possible. You know, we go through a regular title escrow attorney process, depending on the state, we close it cash and then we resell the property. Sometimes we'll do some, we call them some minor value add stuff. It's not anywhere near as extensive as a Flipper, uh, yeah. yeah, flipping a house or something like that. But maybe we'll hire a company to go out and clear some brush off the property, mow it, you know, get a perk test done, you know, something something kind of basic to improve the value of the property if it, if it makes sense to do so. And then we list it with the real estate agent on the other side, a land specialized real estate agent or broker and resell the property. And hopefully within 90 days, we've got a nice, nice profit and then move, move on to the next one. Right. And I think so. one of the, the keys to the success is that we don't try to hold out for top dollar. A lot of land you see listed, it'll be like forever. That's what my, yeah. I thought that's what land was. Like when we were in real estate, like as an agent and broker, I'd look at it and be like, oh God, this piece of land was on, it's been listed for 623 days. And you know why? Because it was priced too high. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> it's exactly. priced way too high. Right. You know, they're, they're trying to find that one buyer that needs that property and is willing to pay retail, retail value. And uh, that's not what we do at all. We look at properties that have actually sold in a very reasonable amount of time and we'll price them slightly below that. And we're only buying good properties too. We're not buying junk properties that have issues or, or not going to sell, even if they're even if they're really cheap. We, we stay away from those properties. Right. So. so, but if you're an agent and you're seeing like land, like, come on, we know uh-huh. it's because it's a different model. Right. We're not looking for that top dollar and hold out forever, which is a, another model, but it's not mm-hmm. us. Right. We buy it low enough that we can still sell it low enough. Yep. And, and then we, then we make that spread and make it quick. So, and, and why you might be asking, well, why would a seller sell it to you and not just listen with the real estate agent? Cause they don't want to deal with you real estate agents. <laughs> that's I'm that's sorry, actually the I? truth. Sometimes <laughs> uh, some people don't want to go through that process. They don't want to hire a real estate agent. They don't want to list a property in the market and have it sit for a year. That's that's their perception of a lot of things that are out there. They just don't want to deal with it. They would rather just do a quick thing. Just kind of like if you're going to buy a new car and you have an old car, a lot of times most people will just trade it in. They know they're not going to get top dollar, but it's a convenience choice. Yeah, they and don't we're the convenience to. buyer. Exactly. They'd rather not deal with it. They just want the cash. A lot of people don't have attachments to pieces of land. They might have inherited it. It might have bought it as they're going to build a dream home and they just don't have that dream anymore and they're sick and tired of paying the taxes on it. Yep. And uh, it's hard to wrap your your mind around that because you and I are like, well, why wouldn't like we would just list it on the market? Right. Like, but there's so many people that it's just it's not even an option. It, they'll just let it sit there. Like sometimes don't even think about this piece of land. Like, wow, I can get some money for it. Right. Way more than I you know could get when I looked at it ten years ago or something. And like you said, it's all about convenience. Convenience costs, and the you know we're we're the convenience buyer, so we'll. You know, we're not going to be paying these people retail prices, but uh, we will make it easy and we'll make it so they can get their money as quickly as possible. So some other things about this are that uh, it's a blue ocean opportunity compared to fixing and flipping. Is and that a, like a buzzword in real estate? Oh, yeah. It's, well, it's a buzzword that, in, in business and a lot of things like it's a blue ocean opportunity as opposed to a red ocean opportunity. Fixing and flipping, mm-hmm. that's a red ocean opportunity, meaning everyone in the world is fixing and flipping. You know, you probably know people that are fixing and flipping. You might be fixing and flipping. It's a very, very competitive thing. Land flipping is not like that. I mean, there are other land flippers and land investors out there. I'm not saying that that competition doesn't exist, but it's nowhere near the competition of home flippers. And there's still places where you can set yourself aside as the, you know, certain areas. Yeah, certain busy markets are going to have a lot of of activity. But once you get outside of some of those busy markets, there's lots of opportunities to to do lots of deals. And then the other thing, too, is I think uh, a holdback is money. Mm -hmm. And that's not an issue. No, no, it's not, not it, an issue. I should say it's a, an advantage. There's partner with Pete, which is my program. I'm Are you going to start a competing partner with Heather? I told you a few episodes back, I said I was going to do a partner okay. with Heather. You better register before someone else does. <sighs> I know, but then I'd have to do all the work. Okay. So that won't happen. Just clone the site and just change it to Heather. Yes, I should do that. Yeah. There we go. Look for it soon. But partner with Pete so that you don't worry about the uh, the funding. And also, in it's not just the funding. You also do all the other stuff yeah, on the other take side. Yeah, care, take care of all the other stuff so mm-hmm. you can just focus on getting the deals. This is my favorite one. Go ahead. Okay. Well, the other thing is we've got a solution for you to learn all of how to do everything all the nuance of it, every single step of the process at no cost to you. We actually released a full training program. Now, I know there are other land, you know, investors and training programs out there where, the, you know, they cost thousands of dollars and everything. Ours is absolutely free to our students. And we're still making money and we'll get into that. But right. so we created a whole our whole system is offered to you for free 
because we wanted to be able to go super, super deep and not think about the charging. We'll make money. Hopefully you'll come with us, you know, partner with Pete. Mm-hmm. Like if we train everybody really, really well and they really get it, then they'll bring us more deals for partner with Pete. That's right. Or on the flip side, if you don't need the partner with Pete program, you now have an amazing program that we use to help people train that want to do that. It's not going to hurt our feelings if you don't go with partner with Pete. If no. it's something that you need, Pete might cry. But if it's something that you need, the financing is available and someone to take. A lot of people actually do it not just for the financing. For them, it's worth that split so that they have somebody that handles it on the other side. They, you get to use our network of people all over the country that are professional land um, agents. I mean, what else? I mean, well, it's not just that, too. It's like, mm-hmm. as I mentioned earlier, a lot of a lot of uh, kind of investors struggle with the fact that like identifying a deal and like being confident in that deal. And so, someone else is stepping in and saying, yeah, so obviously got a lot of experience in this area now. So we know a deal and we know when it's not a deal. So if we are funding the deal, then it's obvi- we obviously believe mm-hmm. in that deal and we're, we're relatively confident it's going to work out great or we wouldn't do it. You know, having that uh, validation and you don't have to do that on your own and kind of, is this really a deal? Do I really know what I'm doing? Ask you know? your barber. Do you think it's a <laughs> yeah. deal? Uh, when we created this, it was all about what would have helped us like catapult our success. So if like we started at where we were to get to where you wrote this, which is you just now released it, it's everything that would have helped you get to that as quick as possible. Right. So there's no fluff. It's actually like- It's A to Z, everything. uh Like the entire process, everything. There's nothing held back. And it's professionally done. We spent- Tens of, tens of thousands of dollars putting together all the videos and mm-hmm. everything. It's it's very, very extensive. Uh, you know, all our spreadsheets, all of our documents, checklists, everything associated with that, it, it's all included. I like to say it's everything in your head except for the bad dad jokes. Okay. <laughs> there might be a couple of those. Oh, there. sorry about that. And then uh, there's, a, there's a community that goes with it. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You know, we base, we love community and we, we feel um, very strongly about the fact that as an investor, if you have a community around you, people kind of all doing the same thing, working in the same direction, you can kind of infinitely expand your brain. Are you going to use your, your horizon? Um, something about ships and tides. Oh, a rising tide raises all ships. There we go. Yeah, yeah. It's a John F. Kennedy quote that supposedly he didn't even wasn't even the first person to say, but <laughs> this is the first first person to say it. But anyhow. Our community is a big portion of this as well. And uh, in order to find this training program and the community and everything, everything, all you have to do is to go to landconquest.com. And on that site, landconquest.com, there are a bunch of orange buttons on there. Press one of those orange buttons. It'll take you to sign up for the community. And uh, we would love to see you over there. It's really cool. So what do you need to do? Like, what what do we like? Oh, okay. You decided well, you want to get you know, into it. Now if this what? sounds interesting and it might mm-hmm. sound too good to be true, I don't mean to make it sound that way. There are challenges. You really have to learn how to evaluate land. That's one of the biggest things. So if, if you're excited about this that's, right. and it comes across, I think that's what it is. You know, it's not like. Well, first of all. There's, there's a number of things. I would go down the rabbit hole, start checking out all the content we put on here, podcast episodes. We've also got on our website, turningprofit.com. I think this is a really valuable tool. Every month we do a monthly income report, which breaks down the revenue we did for each and every month. Like the revenue we did, the gross profit we did, all the deals that we did that month, what we bought them for, what we sold it for, details on those deals, what went well, what didn't go well, the profit we made on that deal, like everything. It all is done in those income reports each month. And we're getting close to having two years of those up there so you can see the progress. I've also got something on there, which is our 50 first deals. And it's basically a screen share of me walking through our first 50 deals we did. I'm breaking down what we bought these properties for, what we sold it for, each and every one of them. So you might find it interesting if you're trying to get started in the business to see what's possible. Like how much are these properties cost? What are you actually selling them for? So these are the actual numbers. There's no changing of any of the numbers or any of that kind of stuff. It, it is what it is. So you can see, uh, you can see that some deals worked out very, very very well. Some deals, you know, didn't go so well. We didn't lose money on it anymore, but they didn't make us uh, that much money. But you'll see exactly what, what's involved there. So I would start going down that rabbit hole, consuming all the free content, and then also really, really learn how to evaluate properties. And you've got something for that too. Yeah. So in the community, we do, you normally every couple of weeks, we do a uh, deal evaluation Zoom call where people from the community will submit deals that they have under contract. And I will share my screen and show you exactly how I evaluate these deals. Like what things do I look for? What makes it a deal? What makes it not a deal? 
how do I comp these properties all over the country? That's the other thing. We're buying these properties all over the country, not in our little area. So. That's what I like, too, is that if you're interested in traveling or you just you want to be doing something else at the same time or even people who are active duty military where they're kind of like they don't know where they're going to end up. Right. Right. Um, you can do this business model. You don't have to be in the place where you're going to invest. Right. And in fact, you don't have to be in any one place at all. You can be in a different country right now and investing all over the country. Right. Start going down the rabbit hole. See if it's something that might resonate with your skill set or what, what you're looking to do, what you're looking to accomplish. So I guess that's a pitch of uh, how you can find us and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, so, we're on YouTube too. On YouTube. Yes. YouTube. So. Now, if you're listening to this on the podcast, yeah, the, if uh, uh, if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, we love it if you checked it out. It's just at Turning Profit, which is a Turning Profit podcast, obviously. And you have something else on YouTube that I think would be interesting to someone like that because you started doing. Oh, yes. This is going to be a regular feature. Just posted the first one where they're partner with Pete interview, uh, an investor that utilized the partner with Pete program. They submitted their deal. We uh, agreed to fund the deal. We took it over from there, did all the whole process. And then the investor ended up getting a wire for $17,000. All they did was bring the deal. We made the same thing, you know, 50-50 profit split. And so it was a win-win type situation. So interviewed him and uh, I think it's a very compelling interview. But we're going to be posting one of those every Thursday as soon as we get that uh, pipeline build up of those interviews. So I guess that's about it for this section. But uh, we've got some questions to answer. Yeah, hold on one sec. Let's get some questions going. This is funny, though, because we just talked about this one. I don't read the questions ahead of time. Well, these are questions are from our community, our land conquest community that we talked about. So, so a lot of times we'll jump in and answer questions in there. You will. But sometimes we can't get to it or there's not enough time or or it's more of a detailed explanation. So Yeah. So we try to high, pick, cherry pick some good ones for the podcast here. So we try to do this as a regular segment. And I never pre-read them. So sometimes Pete gives me um, tongue twisters to, okay. to read on here. But this one seems pretty... Uh, Pretty mellow. Um, from Brian, he says, Hi, all. Just a quick poll for opinions. I know you can do this pretty much from anywhere, but do most people look for properties somewhat local or do you reach out anywhere, everywhere? Thanks. Do you have a great deal under contract? We'll submit it to partnerwithpete.com. The Partner with Pete program is a deal funding program where we will actually use our funds to complete the purchase of the property. We will do every other step of the process, including the due diligence, the transaction side, the marketing side, and the transaction on the resale side. And when all the dust settles, we will split the profits 50-50. There is no downside for you as an investor, only upside. So once again, go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and let's get it funded. And I responded on that one. I said, hey, we, we buy properties anywhere. There's probably a couple states that we won't deal in, mm -hmm. you know, and I just kind of personal preference. I, New Mexico is one of them. I don't know. I have an aversion to New Mexico. <laughs> um, what's, it is funny. You Alaska, really do. Alaska, I heard, is kind of tough. I'm not sure I'd be buying anything in Alaska. We like Alaska. We've yeah, been Alaska there. is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Alaska is beautiful. It's one of those things. But really, we're, we're as long as it's a deal, we would really consider it any area. Now, other investors, other land investors have different thoughts on this. Some only do their particular area where they can actually go see the property. They feel better about the deals that way. They know that area. They really understand like the deals and everything like that from that perspective. And that's a viable option too. You know, like some some investors just stay in their area and they do very well. And that's that's their whole focus of their business. Some may pick a couple different regions, you know, maybe that they're familiar with. They grew up in one area and moved when they got, you know, older or something like that. And uh, and then they're dealing in both these areas because they really understand them. And then others are like us where we're kind of just... It's about the deal. It's yeah, about it the deal. Yeah. And yeah. we can figure out how to do a transaction in any state. There's no right or wrong answer. Just whatever you're comfortable. Whatever your model is, mm -hmm. go with it. And there's riches and niches. So if you feel like that would be the best for you, go for it. Right. Or, or a lot of people might start in one area, really get it nailed in and then kind of expand yeah. from there. Yeah. You know, I've noticed that kind of has been a little bit of a progression with us too. You know, I, I've sent direct mail or offer letters out to, to many different areas. And some areas, they resonate really well and they stick. We start getting deals. I start getting good agents on the ground in those areas. Then we start trying to really do a lot more business in those areas. So they kind of end up being like little satellite <laughs> locations for us. So, so we got like certain pockets all over the country where, you know, we found good agents, we found good people on the ground where we're really trying to expand our business in those areas. And we're constantly looking for new areas like that. Yeah. And it just so. makes sense because then we can kind of concentrate our efforts too, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, because then you're not going to be looking for the 
an agent or, or whatever. Okay. Yep. Matt says, I've stumped Land ID. For me, Land ID has been great over the month or so that I've been using it. Then this week, all of a sudden, it's unable to find several parcels I've searched for. I'm using the APN, confirming the APN is correct with the county website, but still unable to find the parcels. Anyone run into this? Any alternative places to search that would provide similar data to Land ID for parcels? Most of these missing parcels have been in AR, if that matters at all. So mm-hmm. they're in Arkansas. So first mm-hmm. of all, what is Land ID in case someone? Well, Land ID is the, the major software that we use when we're looking up properties. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the first go-to. When what we does get, it tell you? It's it shows it's a graphical representation of the of the property. So it's a map basically, and it shows you the property lines. It shows you whether there's a flood zone. It shows you the contour lines of the property. It shows you if there's wetlands there. It shows you. Obviously, where the, the roads are and if the property is against the road or not, some minor ownership information. All this information is compiled in these maps. So when we get a lead in or something, that's the first thing we do is we kind of look up the map. What does this property actually look like? And we can tell 90 percent of what a property is all about just by looking at that map and looking at land ID. Now, uh, he's having some issues with looking up some properties on land ID. So land ID takes their information from various providers that take their information from the counties. So each and every county has public data, and then that public data then eventually makes its way to the land ID platform. The problem is that some areas, some more rural counties would have less activity going on. They may not have a good or robust kind of system where you can look up these properties online. What you're trying to say is that they are archaic. They're older. It might not even be online at all. Yeah, yeah. Or very limited. And so, what they do have is not sophisticated. Yeah. So so that's probably the case. You're probably running in some counties where there's just not good data. It doesn't mm-hmm. maybe they don't have data for those counties. For the most part, they've got most of the counties, at least the, the ones that are busy and where action is happening and things like that. But there are some counties and things where you'll run into this situation. The other thing is, and it sounds like you already did that, it's just to make sure that the formatting of the parcel number is correct. Sometimes you can also look it up by the last name of the person. And there's some other ways to try to search for it within the system. But it might come down to the fact that they may not have the data in that particular area. And two things means you might need to take a vacation there (laughs) or actually understand that if other people, I mean, if you're having this problem, other people are, and that could be that there's a good opportunity there. Could be. Yeah. You know, and the other thing is too, that the, most of these places have a GIS system uh, where you can actually go on the county website and look it up that way. Sometimes some of these counties don't have that either. So that would be the next step. I would try to look it up directly on the county site, see if I can find it there. And the last step would be call a real estate agent. Maybe they've got some uh, tips on how you can find out the information on it. And especially if you're gonna if you're gonna specialize in that area, that might be the best thing for you to do anyway, is kind of mm-hmm. work workarounds and have somebody on the ground there that can help. Chris says he was flagged as a scammer by the realtor board. I got a call from a realtor who says I've been flagged as a scammer by the board of realtors and proceeded to ask questions about which title company I, I use, which properties I have purchased, and if she can call the title company to verify. I said she's welcome to call the title company to verify. She said she doesn't believe any of what I say and that it's all a story. She wants to call the person I'm buying this deal from and probably tell him it's a scam. Then she says she wants to meet me in person. I'm three hours away so she can verify that I'm real. Oh my goodness. I'm just getting started and this is something, this is really overwhelming, especially when I don't feel particularly comfortable returning these calls to begin with. I wouldn't. It's none of her business. Yeah. I highlighted this because I just thought it was funny. Like, this is some realtor board, some local realtor board that, and I don't know why this person from this realtor board is contacting, um, you know, the person mm-hmm. that asked this question, but I mean, they have no authority. You're not a real estate, you're not yeah. a real estate agent. You're not a realtor. You do not have to answer to this person. Mm-hmm. There's nothing illegal about what you're doing. You're no. buying and selling properties. It's, there's no reason that this person has to have any authority over you. I would be more concerned. She's a scammer. I would be like, you sound scary. Yeah. <laughs> You've got some weird, you know. Person has a major power trip. Yeah. I, I, I put it in there because I highlighted. The funny thing is like, you know that thing, Occam's razor? Have you ever heard of that? Like the simplest solution is normally the best solution oh, yeah. to, to a problem. The simplest solution to this problem is to forget this lady ever existed. Mm-hmm. She has no control over you. There's no reason to jump through any hoops, go meet this person. Like what's, no. the, what's the end goal? The end goal is that you want to be buying and selling properties. This person has no authority to stand in your way of that. 
And uh, it sounds like they're just being very difficult for I think she just wants to look cool, to be honest. I think she's trying to say, like, I undercovered a scammer. (laughs) And no matter what you say, it doesn't matter. You can meet with her. I wouldn't meet with her. Why waste your time? No. No. No thanks. Block. Anyways. um, Okay. So Abby says, title company location. Hi, all. When picking a title company, should it be in the county you're purchasing in? If the sellers are several hours away from the property, how does that get worked out? In this particular case, they are a little older and not sure about e-signing. I'd love to hear your suggestions. Thank you. Yeah. So there's two ways to deal with this. Normally, we try to find title companies that work a large geographic area. Sometimes it's the whole state. Sometimes it's a portion of the state. It just makes it easier from our perspective. We're dealing with one company that handles a lot of different areas within that state to get deals done. So we're not working with all these different parties. We find someone good and we just kind of do more and more business with them. So from our perspective, that's what we try to do. The solution, if you want to go that route, is to let the sellers know that you'll be sending a mobile notary out to them when it's time to sign. And then, you know, you'll cover that cost, which may be a couple hundred dollars or something like that. Some sellers uh, will not be interested in that. Some sellers, uh, you know, still want to go and physically go into a title escrow attorney office. They love the closing table. Yeah, they like the closing (laughs) process. They like all of that that goes with it. And then maybe they feel more comfortable that they're not going to get scammed or something Mm -hmm. like that. And that's fine too. You have to kind of, you have to kind of play ball and you have to kind of realize that from their perspective of what they're, they're thinking. So if they're not going to go for the option that you propose of like a mobile notary or something like that, then yes, it's best to find a local attorney title or a company that will handle the transaction for you. That way they can go in in person, feel more comfortable about the deal and just get it done. That in general is why we always use a closing company. Mm -hmm. That might be title, escrow, attorney, depending on where it is. But we do because it gives the sellers, it's not like Pete's going to be showing up on your doorstep with, you know, $5,000 and $100 bills. Yeah, yeah. And then you just sign sign the deed. (laughs) Yeah. And then what am I signing? But if it's going through a title company or closing company, it gives everybody the assurance that it's done right. There's a paper trail. Everyone knows what they're doing. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, we do we do things right, mm-hmm. and uh, so you know, in, in certain situations uh, where they're not going to buy into the mobile notary thing, it's definitely good to just. That's a small issue, really. Mm-hmm. You know, the big thing is getting a deal done, and if you have to even pay a little more to get it done or something like that, gen- generally, it's uh, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, so. hopefully, in your offer, you've written in some room for that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a good. Um, where can everyone find you online? Yeah. So um, on Instagram at Reese Peter. I'm trying to come up with a new name, but I'm that's what it is months. for now. Yeah. Like, that's my last name and then my first name. And then uh, YouTube at Turning Profit. So those are the main places to find us. And obviously Turning Profit website, turningprofit.com for all the income reports mm-hmm. and stuff. And then landconquest.com. That's our community. So yeah, you find us find us. We're hanging out there. in there all the time. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. All right, thanks. Bye. Ready to start Turning Profit yourself? Head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game. See you on the next episode.